subject and just simply tied it in short, what now? But if we had to add a little extra to it, we're going to call it fighting frustration. Fighting frustration. You may be seated today. Fighting frustration. Emotions are a dangerous thing. Emotions left unchecked can really get you into a lot of problems. Uh, sometimes a lot of us fail to be able to handle situations and circumstances properly because our emotions are running ragged. They're running rapid. They're running all over the place. And as a result of it, we find ourselves in a position confused. We're dealing with conflict. We don't understand how we're going to handle it. And so Jonah is the perfect book to talk about emotions because he is literally, through chapter 1 to chapter 4, he is an emotional wreck. One minute he's up, the next minute he's down. One minute he wants to obey, the next minute he don't. One minute he's thankful, the next minute he's complaining. Wrapped up in the book of Jonah is a lot of problems that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that we need to learn how do we handle our emotions. How can we handle these situations to keep us from ending up into bigger problems? Because that's what happened with Jonah. I didn't read the whole chapter to you, but if you know anything about the book of Jonah, Jonah is one of the prophets that were told and entrusted by God to go share a word with another group of people. God used prophets. I know we look at prophets today as somebody that's telling us that, hey, you're going to get this amount of money and this is going to happen. Most of the time when you look at the word of God and you see a true prophet, he was coming to tell you, you have messed up. And if you don't fix your mistakes, God is going to do something to you. Now, if you were obedient, nine times out of ten, the best blessing that you can have is God lifted his wrath up off of you, and you were blessed and you flourished because of your obedience, not because the prophet came and told you uh, that if you sow or if you do, I'm going to bless you or God's going to bless you. Amen? So Jonah was a true prophet. Jonah was one that was entrusted to go share the word, but this time Jonah was fed up. Jonah had began to smell itself. Jonah didn't want to do what God told him to do because Jonah had the mindset, all you're going to do is forgive him anyway. So, so why should I go? After all, if you're going to forgive him anyway, why do I have to go out of my way to do something for them? So literally when God wrote and, to and talked to Jonah, when, when God spoke to Jonah, I believe Jonah said to himself, what now? What now? What now is that attitude that we get when it seems like we can't never catch a break? The minute that we think we finna get ahead, something goes wrong. Some of us felt like, you know what, tax season is the season, I'm going to get ahead. Then your car break down, or, or, or family, family feuds, and you got to find a place to stay, all of these type of things. It's all type of jacked up things. And you get to the point where you literally just say, what now? You're frustrated. And the thing about frustration, it's not just a simple emotion. Frustration is emotion that's built on other emotions. In order to get frustrated, that means that you're fed up. In order to get frustrated, you have to be angry. In order to get frustrated, you have to be dis disappointed. You have to deal with disappointment. In order to be frustrated, you have to be dealing with dissatisfaction. So all of these things are mixed into this emotion of frustration. I know far too well how frustration feels. Frustration makes you feel like you don't have any control of the situation. 
Frustration makes you feel like, you know what, it's better for me just to give up, to do something else. Some of us in this room are frustrated with our marriages. Some of us are frustrated with our kids. Some of us are frustrated with our jobs. And as a result of these frustrations, we are not really living life the way we're supposed to live it. We're stressing. We're not happy. Sometimes we don't want to go home. Sometimes we don't want to go to work just because of the way that frustration makes us feel. You're not alone. You're not alone because Jonah felt the exact same way. Matter of fact, Jonah was so frustrated, the Bible says that he fleed from the presence of God. He was supposed to go to one place, and as a result of him not wanting to go to Nineveh, he took it upon himself to pay to catch a ship from Tarshish down to Joppa. He took it upon himself to say, you know what? I'm going to run from God's presence. This deals with the very first point of the text today because frustration causes you to flee rather than fight. I really need us to understand that frustration causes us to flee rather than fight. Why is that important? If you're in a position that in your marriage, on your job, or whatever it is that you're going through, frustration is not the answer to solving your problems. What happens when you get frustrated, you're not looking for a solution to fix the problem. You're looking for a way to get out of the problem. You're looking for a way to avoid it. This is why so, when so, so many of us get frustrated in our marriage, the divorce word comes up. This is why when so many of us get frustrated in our job, we want to quit. We want to leave. I want to let you know something. Frustration is not a spirit of God. This is a work of the enemy. Whenever frustration enters your relationship, whenever frustration enters your mindset, anytime this comes, this is the direct spirit from the enemy. This is a way to try to bring you down to keep you from focusing on whatever it is that God has for you. See, God wants you to have faith to push through and fight through whatever it is that he's offering you. God wouldn't put you with somebody just to have you walk away from somebody. God wouldn't bless you with a job in 2016 just to make you feel in 2017, this ain't the job that God has for me. If God has a plan for you to move on, you're not going to be frustrated about it. When I started the Light Christian Fellowship Church three years ago, didn't have a member, didn't have a Bible study, didn't have another big organization to plan us. You know, I, I just said, you know what, this is what God told me to do. I am going to do it. And as a result of it, didn't have the money, didn't have whatever it was that we needed, but guess what? I still did it. Can I tell you something? We spent $60,000 in 30 days to get this place right. $60,000 in 30 days to get this place right without a member, without a formal Bible study, without putting out a flyer. I don't know about y'all, but I get frustrated now just talking about giving somebody $1,000. And to say that I'm going to invest $60,000 in something that I'm not for sure how it's going to turn out, Looking back, I should have been very frustrated with this situation. Like, God, you need to make this a little easier on me. This shouldn't cost me this much if this is what you've asked me to do. The reason why I was not frustrated is because God had told me to do it. Why, what is it saying, Pastor? When God directs you, it doesn't matter how difficult it may seem, there is no frustration involved. God doesn't give you a situation that's stressful. And if he does give you a situation that seems to be stressful, I want to let you know something. The stress is stress that you're putting on yourself from trying to do what God hadn't asked you to do. There have been some decisions that I've made in pastoring, uh, financial decisions to invest in things that I thought would help our church grow. It would make our church bigger than, than what it is. It would look amazing. People would know us. But guess what? They didn't work out. 
And those situations were situations that frustrated me. My wife would tell you today, she got tired of hearing me complain about billboards and, and bills that we had to pay as it re relates to this. And then they say, then she used to have, she has this beautiful saying, husbands, make sure you listen to your helpmate. She says, simple is better sometimes. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't want to hear that right now. I don't want to hear simple is better. I, I, want my, I want our church name all on 67. Everybody has to see it. Matter of fact, I want the busiest part where traffic is every morning. So I guarantee they sit there for at least a minute looking at our name. And she would simply say, simple is better. She tells me all the time, man, you want to put these lights, you want these screens, you want all of this going on. And I get frustrated when things don't work. And she always just comes back. Simple is better. I have to always remind myself that some of the things that I put into place are not the things that God has asked me to do. And as a, res as a result of it, I end up frustrating myself. As a so, Pastor, what are you saying? Some of the relationships you're in that's frustrating you are not relationships that God asked you to be in. Some of the financial burdens that you're dealing with on a day-in and day-out basis that keep you broke are not burdens that God has asked you to take on. Some of the things that we're dealing with, we have put on ourselves. And I want to give you a bit of advice if you don't know anything else. When you're drowning, the best thing to do is drop weight. When it seems like life is not working for you and things are going wrong, sometimes instead of asking for more, you got to do less. You simply just have to release some of the things that are on you because it's some of the baggage, like we talked about last week, it's some of the baggage that you're carrying around that is adding frustration and stress to your life that you shouldn't have to go through. And so you're steady sitting there saying, God, I need you to fix this. God, I need you to work this out. What if God is saying to you, because obviously you're not listening. If you're talking, you can't be listening. And what if God is simply saying to you, all I need you to do is let this go. He said in his word, every day I will give you exactly what you need. I will supply all of your needs on a daily basis. So if God says he will supply all of my needs on a daily basis, why do I wake up frustrated about my light bill? If God says that he'll supply all of my needs on a daily basis, why am I frustrated about what we're going to eat today? Where am I going to go if I'm going to have enough gas? Maybe I should be looking back and saying, God, what is it that I need to do in this moment? God, what is it that I, I, where I need to be? What's, what do I need to be saying to receive whatever the provisions that you have for me? But instead of being faithful to God, we get frustrated with God. And as a result of us getting frustrated with God, we flee instead of fighting. When the enemy comes before us with problems, all we do is turn and walk away. We look for the, the quickest Let's get out of this situation as possible, except, you know what, I'm going to fight on because God has asked me to. Can I let you know something? And some of y'all ain't going to like me after this. Frustration is a selfish emotion. Frustration is a selfish emotion because of the fact that all you do is think about yourself once you get frustrated. If you ever just can take the time and think about it and step back, and really look at the times that you are frustrated, I promise you can find out how you are being selfish about the way that you are thinking about things, how they're being done. This week, I have purposely, every time I posted something on social media, every time I posted something on Facebook, I purposely put emojis. And people probably looked at it and said, man, that pastor is bipolar. 
One minute he's sad, next minute he's hungry, one minute he's crying. But I purposely did that because of the series that I was doing. And the reason I did it because I wanted to see how unstable were my emotions. How did I feel when somebody cut me off? Because sometimes we don't really identify it. We just feel it. And the problem is that if we just feel it, if somebody make me mad now, then somebody make me mad 10 minutes later, it's only going to be another 10 minutes before I blow up. Guess what happened? While I was able to identify my emotions as I was going through the day, I dealt with them right then. The minute that I put a post up saying that I felt like something, it gave me a minute to actually think about it before I reacted to how I was feeling. It gave me a minute to examine how I was feeling. If I was stressed about a situation, I put, I'm stressed, I'm bothered, whatever it is. And by the time I put it, I didn't go into details, but it gave me an opportunity to think about how I was feeling. This gave me back control of my day. This didn't let my day become a slippery slope because I was identifying the problems that I was having as I was pushing through my day. Am I saying everybody go to Facebook and do a whole bunch of emojis? No. Only if you're going to hashtag emotional wreck TLCFC. All I'm asking you to do is examine yourself. Examine the emotion. Here it is. Jonah was bothered. Jonah was upset, he was frustrated, and the reason why he was frustrated is because what God was asking him to do, he didn't feel like it benefited them. We look at things from a small perspective. We look at things from a a very small perspective. We don't see the bigger picture. God knows the bigger picture. We just look look at how is this going to help me now. How is this going to make my life good now? When I looked at this text and read through it, I quickly found the emotional problem. I quickly found the emotional problem. But it was not until yesterday uh, that I, I was able to reread the text and get prepared for the day that I thought about everything that went into this text. You know, our theme for this year is what? What? Help me out. Greater. Greater is waiting. Our focus is greater. Do you know in the text, greater is mentioned three times in Genesis chapter 1? I was like, God, you good. I want to let you know something. Look, when you look at great in the text, this is what you find. Jonah was given a great responsibility. That's just, we know that. That's not in the text, but because he was a prophet, we know that he, it was a great responsibility. But guess what God tells him? God says, not only do you have a great responsibility, he says, I want you to go to a great city. So here it is, somebody that has a great responsibility, he's sending them to a great city. Then Jonah has an issue because he was supposed to go to a great city, but Jonah ends up getting in trouble because he leaves the presence of God. He gets on the ship with these individuals, and while he's on the ship with these individuals running from God, I want to make sure you understand something. I don't care what you do. You can't run from God. God sees all, and he knows all. So he gets on the ship with these individuals in Tarshish that he didn't paid for. Anytime that you run from God, it's going to cost you. Nothing that you do to avoid God is free. You wonder why your life is a wreck. It costs you to be disobedient. I, I don't know if you understand that or not, but you, you really need to see and understand that when you disobey, when you fail to do what God is asking you to do, there is a price to pay. But Jonah is, has a great responsibility. He's directed to a great city. Guess what God sends when Jonah disobeys? A great wind. The Bible says there's a great storm that hits the sea. The great storm that hits the sea. And after the great storm hits the sea, there's a period of time where Jonah has to come clean about who he is and why the storm is there. What happens? They throw him overboard into the sea, and God sends what? A great fish. A great fish to take him back to dry land 
And when he took them back to dry land, guess where he was headed? Back to a great city. Pastor, why are you telling me something? And why are you telling me all this? I'm telling you all this because you have a great purpose. Just like Jonah had a great purpose. And God is trying to send you to a great place. Just like he was trying to send Jonah to a great place. The thing is that we make our travel harder than we have to. We make the journey to greatness harder than we have to. No matter what, God is going to try to get you there. No matter what, he's going to push you there. No matter how many times he has to redirect you. But when you're disobedient and you don't want to do things God's way, then you make it harder on yourself than it has to be. You make it more difficult on yourself than it has to be. From where Tarshish, or uh, from where he originally was on his way to Nineveh, that was a short distance for Jonah to get there. Jonah ran all the way south, gets caught up in the middle of the water, and has to travel so much further. He's trapped in the belly of the great fish for three days, and then the Bible says it was a three-day journey from the time he hit land just to get Nineveh. He made the process longer than it has to be, Pastor. What does that mean? Stop making what God is trying to do for you harder and longer than it has to be. God wants to work some things out in your relationship. God wants to work things out in your finances. But every time that you call yourself being disobedient, you push yourself further away from where God wants you to be, and it takes you longer to get where God wants you to be, simply because of the fact that you choose not to do what God is asking you to do. Jonah is in the text. He's frustrated, and as a result of his frustration, it causes him to flee the presence of God rather than fight the presence of God, fight for being in the presence of God. The second point that the Bible teaches us, and we find that all mixed up between verses 4 and verse 16, the second point that the Bible teaches us is that frustration always results in a fallout. Frustration always results in a fallout. What is a fallout? A fallout is the unexpected outcome due to an action. A fallout is your unexpected outcome due to an action. Uh, I believe my dad used to say when I was growing up, for every action, for every action there's an equal but opposite reaction. In other words, when you do something, you have to be prepared for whatever the consequences may be, whether they're good or whether they're bad. I want you to honestly think about this, because when Jonah thought it was smart to flee the presence of God, to disobey God, to go his own way, to try to figure it out by himself, he thought he knew everything. He only thought of the upside of how things would turn out if it worked out. He wouldn't have to go to Nineveh. He wouldn't have to listen to God. He would be okay. The downside was God was going to send the great wind, was going to cause issues and problems in his life, and as a result of it, he would have to be delayed from doing what God wants him to do anyway. Many times when we try to come up with our genius plan, we only think about the upside. We don't think about the downside. Again, I got to give my wife a shout out. This is where she comes in. This is why we get these helpmate situations because I'm a visionary. I only think of the upside. I can't fail. I don't care what you're talking about. I've never failed. I don't care how many times I failed. I didn't fail. I was just trying to figure it out. It was just that simple. And, but she will, tell, she will say, why do you have to hit your head so much? Why do you have to go through it so hard and so difficult when all you have to do is think about it? Think about if it did work, great. But what happens if it doesn't work? I never can figure that part out because I just don't see the negative in a situation. 
she balances me out. Matter of fact, just this morning or just last night, I was telling her about a meeting that I had and how I handled the situation because normally I would just be a dictator. This is what it is. This is going to be. Get it done. But I said, you know what? I was very chill. I let people give their opinions. We figured it out, and, and we wanted to work. Look at that. You see these members? That's them leaders. That's them leaders. We're going to let them figure it out. And we'll see where it goes from now. We're going to delegate. We're going to let it see. And I went home and I told her how proud I was of myself. I listened to people and all this and all that. And I came up with this genius idea. I said, you know what? I let them give their own opinions and I let them figure it out. And we came up with some good stuff. And she just sat there with a look on her face like, I'm just going to listen to you. The reason why she had that look, because it was two years ago that she told me to apply the same principle. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen, I've been stressing for two years on how to get something to work out, and, and all I had to do was listen to somebody that gave me the answer two years ago. Two years ago, she gave me the So I've delayed whatever progress I can make two years because I didn't want to listen, because I wanted to be tired. It's just frustrating having to deal with it on my own. But now I'm in a position now where things are flowing smoothly. Things are working better simply because of the fact I could listen and I did not avoid what I was instructed to do. We have to understand when we deal with frustration, when we act off of frustration, there's always a fallout. A young lady I know uh, was on Facebook and she posted today uh, that she was upset. She was frustrated. Uh, and, and I knew her personally, so I texted her and I said, hey, well, what's going on with you? And uh, she was like, the lady downstairs, my son was playing last night, and the lady downstairs called the police on me. Two o'clock in the morning, police came upstairs saying it was a domestic violence problem. And, and she said, you know what, I'm going to get up this morning, and I'm going to go down there, I'm going to knock on her door, and I'm going to knock her out. I was like, whoa. She was like, I don't care. She called the cops on me. She knows it was my son. I don't like it. I'm going to deal with it. I simply text, why don't you just write her a letter? Won't you see? I, I sound so smart today because I figured all this out about frustration. <laughs> it would have been me a month ago. I might have tried to do the same thing. But here, why won't you just write a letter? She says, "Well, what is it going to say?" I literally composed a letter for her. Hey, neighbor, how you doing today? Listen, I'm sorry about the noise. You know, I have a three-year-old son. I do apologize. Uh, listen, I don't know why you felt the need to call the police, but I'm thankful that you care enough about me to look out for me. So what I'm going to ask that here's my number. Anytime you think there's a problem, call me first so that I can make sure that everything's okay. And I went through the whole thing, and she just kind of sent an angry face back to me. She, she all up in her emotions because she don't want to deal with it like that. She want to knock somebody out today. That, that's her whole drive. And so what do I do? I tell her, well, what happens if you fight her? I say, if you write the letter, there's a possibility that she'll take it, she'll understand and next time there's an issue, your son's too loud, she can just call you, text you, and say, hey, can you tone it down? I'm trying to get some sleep. But if you go down and fight, there's a possibility, now, number one, you're going to get beat up. <laughs> number two, if you don't get beat up, this time when she called the cops, you are going to jail. And if you're a single mom and it's just you and your baby, who's going to take care of your baby? Why is this important? Because when we're angry, when we're frustrated, we're not really thinking clearly. We only think about how we're going to win. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to knock somebody out. But the truth of the matter is this could have went a whole different way if she had decided to go about it the way that she wanted to go to. We have to be prepared for the fallout. 
When you make a decision not to do what God is asking you to do, you have to be prepared for the fallout. Can we be real? When you decide to be in a relationship and do things that you're not supposed to do before you're married and things go wrong, he cheat on you, you end up pregnant before time, whatever it is, be prepared for the fallout. When you sign up and say that you're down for it, you're going to accept it. When he doesn't want to become a husband and all he wants to do is be a baby daddy, that's your fallout. You have to be willing to accept it. You made the decision not to do it God's way. When you decide, you know what, I don't want to give to my church, I don't want to tithe, and then you start dealing with financial and frustration issues because you're selfish, you don't want to support the ministry that God has attached you to to help get things done, be prepared for the fallout. Whatever it is, this is not me issuing a curse on you. This is the word of God. There is always a fallout relates to your decision. I want to show you how this fallout happens. This fallout happens three different ways, and you really need to catch this, write it down, take it with you. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says that after Jonah has ran, he's fleed, he's gotten ready to get on the ship down in Tarshish, God says that he did something major in verse 4. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. The first thing that we learn, what type of fallout that we do, we understand that the very first fallout we have is our problems will multiply. Our problems will multiply because of our disobedience to God. This really blessed my soul. Why do I say that? It's because every time something goes wrong in my life, I'm so quick to point the finger at the devil and blame the devil and want to curse the devil. I bind you up, Satan. You're not going to attack my family. You're not going to attack my finances. This has flipped the script and helped me understand that if I disobey God, God will send not just any wind, but a great wind and great storm. Catch this. God doesn't send it to hurt you. He simply sends it to catch your attention. He never wanted to hurt Jonah, but he wanted to redirect Jonah and for Jonah to understand there was a certain place that he was supposed to be and that he knew what God expects from him. And so God says, you know what, I'm not going to play with you, Jonah. I'm going to send a great wind. I'm going to send a great storm to get you back to where I need you to be. Why is this important? If your marriage or whatever relationship is not working out, it's not always the devil attacking you. Sometimes you will put yourself in places you don't supposed to be. Some of us are on jobs right now that we're not supposed to be on. And as a result of it, we are staying there. We're staying there, but as a result of it, we're suffering. We're frustrated. You have heard the voice of God say, move on. We will figure it out. But as a result of you being scared about what happens if you quit, you stay there. You stay there not understanding that your blessing is only going to come when you begin to be obedient. I've seen people walk off jobs one day, and less than three hours later, they hadn't even been looking for a job, and God gives them another job. But it was simply because of the fact that God asked them to do what they were supposed to do. I personally gave up all of my finances the year 2016. That was, I was the only source of income for my home. God says, do it. Make the sacrifice for the ministry. Give it up for a whole year. Not having a savings account, not having nothing extra to fall back on. I tell you now, your pastor stands here, I ain't been homeless all year long. I, I ain't had bills that not got paid all year long. People call me, I don't even know, asking me, hey, can you come preach our youth revival? Can you come do one of our leadership training? God sends provisions however he has to send them, but it requires you to be obedient first. 
If you can't be obedient, then I can tell you that the devil ain't got to do nothing to you because if you're a child of God, it's God's responsibility as your father to punish you. God ain't going to let nobody else whoop you. What he got to do that for? What I look like letting somebody else whoop myself? That's my baby. I'm his daddy. So God says this great wind, this great storm, it's the very first fallout that we have to identify. Your problems will multiply. When you're disobedient to God, it affects you first. It affects you first. Your situations will get worse. So before you try to give the devil power and point finger at the enemy, sit back and ask yourself, did I do something wrong? Did I, did I miss something that God had asked me to do? I can't complain about a relationship that's not blessed by God. I can't complain about financial issues that, not, that are not blessed by God. I can't complain about anything that God doesn't have his hands on. After all, God, my God that I serve me, he loves me. He's going to look out for me. He's going to supply to me everything I need. So if something's not working out, could it be that I'm doing something wrong? We put more problems on ourselves than we have to. The second thing that the text teaches us when we deal with fallout, the second type of fallout that we deal with is your people are affected. Your people are affected as it relates to your frustration. We find that in verse 5 because in verse 5, this is what the text tells us. Then the sailors became afraid. This is after the wind had came. Then the sailors became afraid and every man cried to his God. Catch this. They were not believers at this time. They were not Hebrews at this time. These were not believers in the same God. They were just people that he got in the boat with. Pastor, what are you saying? Some people that you're walking and riding with don't believe the same thing that you believe. Some people that you, you're looking at to bail you out of problems are not the right people that you need to link up with and align with. But he links up and he aligns with these people, and as a result of it, uh, they are afraid and they're crying out to their gods, but their gods ain't no real gods, and so they can't do nothing about it. And he goes on and he says, and, and they threw the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down below into the hole of the ship, laying down and falling asleep. So Jonah is in the midst of the ship, sleep. Everybody else is on top of the ship, panicking. And the thing about it is these people, they are sailors. They, they ship cargo for a living. This is how they make their money. And as a result of the storm that was meant for Jonah, they have now thrown their cargo overboard, which means whatever they were hauling, food, perishables, non-perishable, whatever it was that they were hauling was of no value anymore. It was gone. Whenever they made it to their destination, they were not, they were not going to get paid for shipping that load because of the fact that they lost the load in the midst of the storm. These were not Jonah's people by faith. They were not Jonah's people by birth. But the minute that Jonah got in the boat with those people, they became his people. And so this is why we know that as it relates to a fallout, not only are your problems going to multiply, but the people who are associated with you will have problems as well. The people who are associated with you will be affected as well. Because of your frustration, they're going to suffer from the fallout. People see it day in and day out when God is trying to, to help them move through a situation and get over a situation. Let's deal with our finances. If God is asking you to do something and you're not doing it and you're always complaining about you broke, it's not just you that's broke. Your children are suffering too. Your spouse is suffering too because of your disobedience. Whenever you do something, it just does not affect you. It affects everybody that's attached to you. 
decisions that you make when you're dealing with these relationships with these extended parents, these baby, baby daddies and baby mamas or whatever it is, and you're making bad decisions, you're not communicating properly, or you're doing what you don't need to be doing and you're adding more frustration to the relationship. Anyway, what ends up happening? These kids are affected. Your mom is affected every time you go and cry to her about situations. There are problems as it relates to this because of the way that you handle the situation. Other people are affected. Let me tell y'all something. The reason your pastor is not in trouble today is not because he's perfect. The reason I'm not in trouble today is because I think about y'all. I think about my parents. I think about my wife. I think about my kids. And I think about if I do some of the things that my flesh desires to do, how will it affect the people that are connected to me? When you become a Christian, sin doesn't just automatically run away from you. You don't have a bulletproof sin vest on your chest. Sin is always a Christian's kryptonite. Sin is always going to be present and somebody always going to be trying to throw it in your face to show how weak you are, how vulnerable you are, and how much you ain't perfect and your God ain't perfect either. What you have to understand is how to identify sin when you see it. That's what keeps me right. Not that I'm perfect. You think pastor don't want to cut somebody out sometimes? But I, I know I can't be doing that with no light stick on the back of my car and, and walking around with a light T-shirt on. That, that don't work out very well. I have to make better decisions because I'm concerned about what I represent and how it's going to affect the people who are connected to me. This is something I had to grow to because when I was younger, my wife would tell you I probably had more jobs than I had draws. And, and, and that's just real talk. Because I go in, you make me mad, I quit. I'm done. I don't need you. You need me. I'm the best at what I do. That, that, was, my, that was my attitude back when I used to drive trucks. I come home one day, she'll, she'll come home, and I'm, I'm there. She's like, I thought you were supposed to be in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, I quit yesterday. I forgot to tell you. That's all right. I'm going to find another job. People look for truck jobs every day. I, I'll find another job. And I, I was good at it, and I was doing it, but I didn't know that wasn't number God's grace. He, he, he was covering her, and I was just re receiving some of that overflow blessing. He didn't want her to suffer as a result to my, my actions. But I didn't realize until I had kids that I can't, I can't do that. I, I, it was okay when it was just me and her. I got to make sure they stay fed. I, I, can't, I can't play them type of games like that. I could just eat Roman noodles when it was just me and her. But Isaiah want corn dogs. I can't miss <laughs> I can't miss out on those corn dogs. And so I had to understand that anytime I make a decision, I have to think about the fallout. What is going to happen if this happens? How is it going to affect the people that are connected to me? You think I don't want to go down and put down the money on a 60,000 square feet building and just say, you know what, I got faith. We're going to fill this place up. And look, the whole church is going to move on my faith. But the problem is that we also got to understand that we shouldn't operate in foolishness. God has given us a sound mind. And, and we should use that and make proper decisions, put proper things in place to get us where we need to be. So we don't, we don't want other people to be affected by our decisions. Amen? Amen? Last one that it teaches us as it relates to the fallout, we find, man, it's a mixture. It's all from verse 6 to verse 15. And it, tells us, it shows us that you're, pos you, you position, you're positioning by yourself. You're positioned by yourself. Pastor, what do you mean? that you're positioned by yourself. When you look at verse 6 through 8, 
The captain goes down and finds him asleep in the middle of the ship. The captain has an issue with him, so he goes to verse 9 through 10, and he asks him, what's going on? Why are you down here? And Jonah comes clean with what's wrong. Jonah tells him, um, listen, I'm a Hebrew. The God that I serve is the God of the heavens and the earth. Uh, and it's my fault that this is going on in your life. And Jonah not only has to deal with the fact that he knows why this is happening, but verse 11 and 12, he goes and he tells them how to fix it. This is the one thing that's great about us as believers. We always know how to fix our problems. We just don't want to do it. We always know how to fix our problems. But the reason why we don't want to do it is because we feel like it will put us at a disadvantage. If we do what God is asking us to do, we're going to be put, we're putting ourselves in a position that we don't want to be in. How do we know this? Because when he tells them in verse 11 and 12 how to fix the problem, the answer to his problem is to be thrown overboard. He says, if, if you really want to stop the wind, if you really want to stop the storm, what you have to do is throw me into the water. Now, listen, I just told y'all about my experience on the water and my floating issues. I have problems with the water and floating, and I, I don't really like it. I doubt if I was Jonah, if I would encourage these people to throw me in the middle of an ocean. <laughs> I, I don't want to do it. There are some times in our lives when we're dealing with things that are frustrating us, and we know the answer, and we've heard the answer from so many people. We've talked about it. We know what's happened. But the problem is that we don't want to do it because we think about how we're going to feel if we do it. Some of us are in relationships that we don't supposed to be in that ain't went nowhere in five years and still ain't going nowhere. But at the end of the day, the reason why we're staying in it is because we don't want to be alone. Some of us are on jobs that are not paying us enough, not taking care of us, not honoring who we are, not, not, not appreciating the work that we do. And the only reason we can't find another job because we can't look for jobs while we're still at work. We can't go to interviews while we're still at work. And so as a result of it, you're scared to move forward on faith on what God is asking you to do. You're scared about the sacrifices that you're going to have to make, how you're going to have to cut back on gas. You might have to cut back on food, whatever the decisions that you're going to have to make. You're scared and you're worried about them. And as a result of it, you will rather stay in your situation than step outside of your situation. Let me tell you something. Uh, Jonah wasn't saved until he was thrown into the ocean. Sometimes you have to be positioned by yourself just to get what God really has for you. God could have let this boat go wherever he wanted to go and deal with Jonah then, but God stopped him in the ocean because of the fact he wanted to keep him before he wanted to keep him and fix it before he got too far away. This is why your plan never works out for you. This is why you can only think of the upside, but you'll never reach it. Because God knows if you reach it, it's going to be hard for him to pull you back. So as a result of it, he has to stop you dead center. Stop you dead center of where you are to keep you from reaching that goal. To keep you from accomplishing what you think will solve your problem. Because he knows if you get there, you won't even focus on him anymore. You won't worry about him. You won't worry about the things that he's done. And so we have to understand that when we're disobedient to God, when we fail to do what God is asking us to do, we can guarantee that we are going to be put in a position to be by ourselves. We're going to be put in a position where we're all alone and we're trying to figure it out. 
Why? Because this is the position, this is the place where God can work on us. This is the place where God can work on us. We have to really receive the fact that when God is working on us, he has to fix us so that we can help him fix others. You want God to do some amazing things on your job. You want God to do some amazing things in your marriage. If you don't let God work on you, then how are you going to possibly be able to handle what God wants to do for you? We have to put ourselves in a position where we really open up our hearts to allow God to speak to us and do whatever it is that he wants to do in our lives. Why? So that we can truly hear from God. So that we can truly receive from God. These people in the ship should not have had to go through that storm. That was not their storm to go through. Jonah's decisions put them in that storm. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, anyone that's attached to you shouldn't have to go through the same storm that you're going through. But you have to be honest with yourself and deal with the emotional issue as it relates to frustration and come to terms and understand that you know what? I put myself in this situation. God, after they threw Jonah in the water, and they had an issue with throwing Jonah in the water. The Bible tells that before they did it, they prayed. They prayed to the real God and said, the Lord, the only reason we're going to do this is because you've asked. They tried to figure out every other way to not have to throw Jonah in the water. Pastor, why is this important? Because you will have people that surround you that will try to figure out every other way to help you reach your goal. But if it's not where God wants you to be, you don't need to be surrounded by those people. You don't need to be surrounded by people that's just going to tell you what you want to hear when you want to hear it. It's not what you need. I had the privilege of talking to, to a young man I know, and he called me and he was talking about, you know what, I got, I got some issues, I got some concerns I want to deal with. And the first thing that God told me to tell him is, you selfish. You need to work this out and figure out yourself first. Let God work on you first. And the crazy thing is that he had every bit to hang up in my face, every right to hang up in my face. But he said, you know what, Pastor, thank you for not telling me what I wanted to hear. Sometimes people talk just so that somebody can say, you know what, you right. You right. Do what you want to do. No, you right. I will never tell you to do what you want to do. You always need to do what God is asking you to do. You always need to do what God is asking you to do. And there's people in this very room that are hearing this message that know that they're frustrated about something. They know that they're dealing with something and they're stressed about it and it's not working out to their benefit. But as a result of it, guess what? They are putting themselves in a position now where everything is going to fall out. Because you've been making it because you hadn't known the truth. But now that you know the truth, you're responsible for it. You're responsible for your actions. So if you go home and you do the same thing, you better be prepared for that great storm to come. You better be prepared for it to get worse. Because now you can't walk around saying you didn't know. When God is saying the only thing that you have to do is do what I'm asking you to do. Find out what I'm asking you to do. Identify with what I'm asking you to do. That way you can receive what it is that I'm asking you to receive. We know that God was not trying. We know without a shadow of a doubt that God was not trying to harm Jonah. We've dealt with the fact that there's a fallout. There's a third and final principle of this text that we have to remember and that we have to understand that frustration will never cause you to be forgotten. Frustration will never cause you to be forgotten. Why is this important for us? 
Because in verse 17, this is what I call my grace and mercy text. In verse 17, what do you find? The Bible says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. The Bible says he sent a great fish to come and pick Jonah up. But at the end of the day, he still didn't allow him to be devoured. He didn't allow him to drown. And somebody would say, okay, well, that's a great fish. God sent that. Yes, right. All right, so I struggled with this. I want to talk about this great fish because we call it a whale. We call it a whale, and I wanted to talk about this great fish because if we're going to call it a whale, let's understand how a whale's digestive system works. And so I went and I looked at, at, at a whale digestive system, and I, I read a couple of articles. I read some things about it, and it showed me that when we talk about a, a whale's digestive system, a normal whale takes whatever it takes in, it puts out within 15 to 18 hours. A normal whale will take in and put out within 15 to 18 hours. Jonah was there for three days and three nights. He was there for three days and three nights. That, that means that Jonah couldn't have possibly been, been in a whale. He, he just couldn't, unless God did something unique to this one whale, he couldn't be there. That was the greatest fish that I know. And I thought the whale was like the biggest fish that was ever in the ocean. But I come to find out there was something bigger than a whale. There's this unique fish that's very rare called a shark whale. I never knew that it exists, but I was reading the article and I found out there's a shark whale. And it's amazing about this shark whale, this huge fish that's very rare, because a shark whale's digestive system is totally different. A shark whale has not one stomach, but it has two stomachs. And the thing about a shark whale is that it somehow can tell what it wants and what it doesn't want because a shark whale just absorbs everything. And so when it gets into its mouth, what happens is it somehow tells the stuff that I want, I'm going to send over here. The stuff that I don't want, I'm going to send over here. And the Bible shows that what the shark whale, or the Bible doesn't show it, but the history shows what the shark whale does is it holds what it doesn't want for as long as it needs to. And then the Bible said, I mean, the, the, the book said that what happens, that it comes to a point where it's full and it rises up and it releases it back out. So everything that it's held in that it didn't want from that, and that's held in that one compartment, it releases it back out. I don't know for sure if it was a shark whale that had Jonah or not, but it can make sense if it was because of the fact that the Bible says that it held him there for three days. And three nights. And then it got to a point that it released him onto dry land. Don't go and say my pastor said it was a shark whale. I just wanted to show you that it could be very well possible. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that you understand that I found a way that this could most definitely happen with what we have here on earth now. I want to make sure that you understand something that even though you're frustrated, frustration will never cause you to be forgotten. God will never turn his back on you just because you're frustrated with him. See, some of us will look at what happened to Jonah as punishment. He was being thrown into the water. He got ate by this great fish. But truly what was happening is God was protecting him. We have to learn the difference between punishing and protecting. There's a big difference. In the belly of this great fish, Jonah was protected. 
He was in the middle of the ocean. He couldn't survive. We know that because of what happened with the Titanic. He, 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 they, they didn't have no National Guard to get out there that fast for Jonah. They, they didn't have radios to call in help. So in order for Jonah to make it, God had to put him into a place of holding to protect him. Come on, somebody. I need you to understand if things don't seem to be working fast enough for you, if it seems that as you are in a standstill and you're getting frustrated about your standstill, don't be frustrated. Just see God. The reason that some of us end up in this holding pattern is because it's for our own good. I heard some great preachers talk about when they travel, and as they're traveling, sometimes the weather is bad, and they can't land. And so what happens is the plane goes into what they call a holding pattern. Literally, they make it where the plane just makes a circle around the airport. You know that you're supposed to be on the ground. You can see where you're supposed to be, but you're on this plane stuck making circles around the airport. Why? Because it's safer for you to remain in the air than for it is for you to hit ground. Some of us will complain about remaining in our holding pattern, but what we have to realize is as long as that plane has fuel, we don't care. We will stay right there in that holding pattern until it becomes safe for us to arrive where we need to be. In chapter 2, even though we're not there yet and we're going to be dealing with it on next week, what we have to understand is Jonah was not spit out until he had came to a realization. There was something that he had to get on the same track. God is not going to let you move forward as long as you still want to do it your way. Sometimes God has to put you in that spiritual jail to keep you at a standstill. Just until you get your mind right, your heart right, so that you can receive everything that God has for you. It's your choice if you want it. When you look at this text, when you look at this chapter, what you see simply today is that frustration led Jonah to failure. It did not lead him to the finish line. He got frustrated, and as a result of it, he wanted to turn his back on God figure out how he wanted to do it so that he can receive what he wanted. And it led him to failure, not the finish line. All of us should be trying to make it to the finish line. All of us should be trying to get to the point where God says, there's my good and faithful servant in whom I'm well pleased. But I promise you, We're not going to get there by being frustrated with the life that God has given us. If you're frustrated with the life that you're living, find the life that God wants you to live. If you're frustrated with what you're going through and how you're handling things, find how God wants you to handle them. You're frustrated with your relationships. You're frustrated on your job. You're frustrated with whatever it is that's bothering you. Figure out what it is that God is asking you you to do and if you can get to the point that you can identify what God is asking you because God is not bipolar he does not change his mind from one day to the next whatever God asked you to do yesterday and if you didn't do it it's the same thing that God wants you to do today if you know that your relationship is not right with God and that's keeping you from receiving what God has for you then guess what you need to do fix your relationship If you know that your finances are jacked up, but you ain't been managing your money right, doing what you're supposed to do, fix your money management. Stop giving the devil power, because you want to know something. The devil ain't got as much power as we give him. The whole reason that God put us here on earth was for us to have dominion 
over the heaven and the earth. For us to have all rule over this earth. That's what he did. The thing is that Satan had failed and he was here too. So the power that God had given us included power over the enemy. I am tired of us blaming the devil for what's happening in our lives. We need to start taking ownership for what we've done wrong. It bothers me when Isaiah tells me, and I, I know that Isaiah has done something wrong and he blames Madison. Matter of fact, let's flip that and be honest. I know Madison's my baby, but it's her that always blames Isaiah. And even though it's cute sometimes, I have to remind her, Daddy don't like a liar. And we can't move forward until you take ownership for your problems. We can't move forward until you say, you know what? I am the reason I'm in this situation. The decisions that I've made, the choices that I've made, they are what have got me to where I am today. And when you can take ownership of whatever it is that you're dealing with, then you can understand how I need to fix it. You can begin to understand that there's a solution that's been with me the whole time. And if you can do what God is asking you to do, then I promise you as it relates to frustration, you won't have to worry about your problems multiplying because I've never seen God punish anybody that was obedient to him. Matter of fact, instead of your problems multiplying, I can guarantee you that your problems will minimize. If you can get to the point and deal with your frustration and truly just do what God is asking you to do, fallout won't be an option. You don't have to worry about everything going wrong. You don't have to worry about your people being affected because of the fact that you stayed in the presence of God to receive what God has for you. And the great thing is that as long as you're faithful to God, you'll never be alone. This is why we have a great opportunity when we're frustrated to come to church. Church is a place of encouragement, a place where you don't never have to stand by yourself. We can stand with you. We can lean on one another. There's been some people that's done church all wrong. They've talked about people. They've put people down. They've spread their business. They've hurt people instead of helping people. This is a place of healing. It's a place where we truly receive what God has for us. My desire for each and every one of us is to never feel the emotion of frustration ever again. And if we do feel it, we take a moment to identify it and correct it. Because frustration is not something that you have to pray on. It's just something you have to look at differently. Instead of running from God, run towards God. So that you can receive everything that he has for you. And I promise that God will do great things in your life. Father God, we come before you right now. Thanking you for all the things that you've done. Thank you for how you've moved in our lives, Father God. Thank you for this word that is shared with us, Father God. We pray that, Father God, your people have had hearts to heal. Father God, that they've been willing to do whatever it is that you're asking them to do. God, we're praying that right now that as people are dealing with frustration, that you fix those problems. That you identify to them, Father God, if it's something that they've done wrong, whether it's they, they've went the wrong way or they're trying to control something that they don't have control over, whatever it is, God, we're praying right now that you work and that you fix it. Because we don't want our emotions 
to keep us from reaching greater. We don't want our emotions to keep us from getting where you're calling us to be. So, God, we surrender and submit ourselves to you wholly. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris, the senior pastor of the Light Christian Fellowship Church. I want to personally thank you for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you on today. It is my desire for something that you have heard to encourage you to know, live, and share the Word of God. Please take the time to learn more about the light by visiting us online at tlcfc.org. Until next time, God bless you, and remember to always allow your light to shine.